0: From the newsroom of The Washington Post. Hi, good afternoon. This is Tolu Oloranipa with The Washington Post. Hi, this is
1: Amy Britton calling from The Post.
0: This is Peter Jamison from The Washington Post. This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Thursday, May 28th. Today, Trump takes on tech companies, discrimination against Asian American healthcare workers, and
1: what to expect when you fly. So right now, it's midday on Thursday. And we're expecting President Trump to sign an executive order that will take aim at a key legal shield that many in Silicon Valley view as fundamental to the internet as we know it today. I'm Kat Zekreski, and I write the Technology 202 newsletter for the Washington Post.
0: So this executive order is going to target a particular law that affects tech companies. What is this law? What is the history of this law? And why is it so important?
1: So Section 230 is a decades-old legal provision that protects tech companies from lawsuits for the content that people post on their websites. So basically, this law has been interpreted by the courts to mean that people can't bring a lawsuit against Facebook, Twitter, or other social media companies for the photos, comments, or videos that people might post on their service. And uh, tech companies see this as really fundamental to the way the internet exists today because they've been able to grow to great size without concern of onerous litigation And it also gives them the ability to take down content without fear of legal retribution, which is key when it comes to policing some of the harmful content that most people don't want to see on the Internet, like terrorism, child exploitation, and other problematic and criminal content.
0: So this executive order seems to be coming kind of out of nowhere. Why is this happening now?
1: So President Trump has threatened for years to regulate the tech companies and frequently antagonized them on Twitter, on Facebook. But really, the tensions came to a head this week as Twitter took the unprecedented step of labeling some of the president's tweets. Twitter applied a fact check label to two of President Trump's tweets that made false claims about mail-in voting. What 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 was he saying about mail-in voting? So the president was claiming that mail-in voting was fraudulent and Twitter applied a label that linked to other news sources, including The Washington Post and CNN, fact-checking the president's claims.
0: And so President Trump, I would imagine, would be mad about that.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, the tech companies like Twitter and Facebook have been under pressure for years to do more to hold President Trump to the standards that they have on their platforms that prevent harassment and falsehoods about sensitive topics like voting. And in general, the tech companies have let the president slide with a free pass um, because they think that his comments are newsworthy and therefore give him a special exemption. But this was really a shift for Twitter to take this step of saying that, you know, What the president said um, needed a special label and and linking to this other content and um, really that move enraged the president and led to him to lash out at Twitter and, and other Silicon Valley social media companies on Twitter for the past few days.
0: So so then the belief is that President Trump was mad about the fact that his tweet was fact-checked and that that kind of launched this process of trying to get through this executive order that would have a pretty sharp impact on these tech companies.
1: Yeah, there have been various forms of this executive order that have been circulating in the white house for years um and people in trump's orbit have really wanted the president to crack down on these social media companies there have been republican lawmakers like senator josh Hawley who have also called for legislation that would make changes to this law
0: google facebook twitter they've gotten these special deals from government they've gotten a special giveaway from government they're treated unlike anybody else if they want to keep their special deal, here's the bargain. They have to quit discriminating against conservatives. You agree with that? No
1: more. No more. But really, you know, this move by Twitter brought all of these tensions to a new boiling point in the last few days. And it really has become an issue that President Trump is using to rally his base in an election year.
0: So what kinds of tech companies would be most affected by this executive order, and what exactly would change because of it?
1: Social media companies are particularly vulnerable to any changes of Section 230. Basically, these companies have built an entire business on people sharing comments, videos, and other posts online. The information that people post on Facebook and Twitter These companies aren't liable for that. And so, you know, people can say anything on these services without Facebook and Twitter worried that they might get sued. And so any changes to how that plays out could have a major impact on their business because it could open them up to all new kinds of liability. And um, a lot of experts are concerned that any changes to Section 230 could lead to a chilling of free speech and expression online.
0: So what do you think all of this says about the relationship between the White House and and Silicon Valley right now?
1: This is a relationship that has been strained from the beginning. I mean, the president for years has accused these tech companies of being biased against him and his other Republican allies. I mean, you might remember last summer, President Trump had a major summit at the White House. Thank
2: you. Please sit down. I want to thank you all for... Being here, very special day, very important day.
1: Where he gathered a lot of his, you know, biggest supporters on social media and really railed against these companies with allegations that they're biased against them.
2: And I noticed things happening when I put out something, a good one, that people like, right? Good tweet. It goes up and then they take it down, then it goes up. I'd never had that. Does, Does anyone know what I'm talking about with this? I never had that before. I used to watch it It'd be like a rocket ship when I put out a beauty.
1: And so I think what we're seeing with today's executive order is a culmination of all of that activity. This is really the first broadside that we've seen the president unleash against the companies after years of threats that he's going to regulate them over this issue and And what should we look for next? you know I think it's very likely that if this executive order is signed that we'll, we will see um, some legal challenges from the tech industry and other allies of free speech i also think that you know we really have to watch what the agencies are going to do i mean the president himself has very little control over actually changing a law that's been passed by congress what this executive order is doing is directing other federal regulators to review the scope of the law and so i think the important thing to watch next is what the federal communications commission And the Federal Trade Commission might do.
0: So it seems like there have been concerns for a long time about these tech companies and the fact that they basically get a free pass when it comes to the hate speech and misinformation that is shared on their platforms and that companies like Twitter and Facebook are not ultimately responsible for those messages. So... What the president is doing, is that going to help address those concerns and and make these tech companies have to be more proactive and responsible in terms of how their platforms are used?
1: It's a really interesting question because for years there has been this debate about whether Section 230 should exist for the tech companies. And a lot of Democrats, including former Vice President Joe Biden, have said that maybe Section 230 should be revoked.
2: I just think that social media has to be more socially conscious of what is important in terms of our democracy. And part of that is a little uh, truth in lending here and making sure that everything is not about whether they can make a buck.
1: So that tech companies do have to take more responsibility for falsehoods, for terrorism, for other problematic content on their services. But... A lot of critics and experts don't think that that's what the president is doing here because he's doing this under the guise of anti-conservative bias. I mean, the president, by taking this action, is sending a message to the tech companies that regulation could come for them if they take action to correct falsehoods on their services that Republicans spread. And so in that way, it it doesn't address that core issue of responsibility that you raise.
0: Kat Zekreski is a tech policy reporter for The Post. She's the author of the newsletter Technology 202. So
3: there's been a rise in racist incidents against Asian Americans during the coronavirus pandemic. People are making all sorts of assumptions and stereotypes about who's carrying the virus, who's responsible for the virus. And frankly, the president's rhetoric um, about calling it the Chinese, Chinese virus, Chinese virus, it comes from China, does not help either. I
4: said many times that the U.S. is
3: doing. A CBS White House reporter who is Chinese American was asking Trump a question that had nothing to do with China. It was a question on um, the coronavirus. His response was. And maybe that's a question you should ask China. Ask China?
2: Don't ask me. Ask China that question, okay? When you ask them that question, you may get a very... You know, for a a second she was stunned, but
3: she followed up and asked... Sir, why are you saying
0: that to me specifically?
2: I'm telling you, I'm not saying it specifically to anybody.
3: My name is Tracy Jan, and I write about race and the economy at The Washington Post. I am Asian American. Being Asian in America... You deal with this. This is a type of thing that people of color all over the United States deals with. In some cases, during times like this, more of us are confronting these types of um, stereotypes and bias. So I just thought it would be interesting to talk to healthcare workers, people who are on the front lines, nurses and doctors, perhaps treating people with COVID symptoms, and just seeing how whether this has infiltrated their world. And not surprisingly, it has.
4: Um, I'm Geminalo. I'm um, an anesthesia resident at Massachusetts General Hospital. My name is Dr. Audrey Sue Cruz, MD, and I'm an internal medicine physician at Loma Linda, California. My friend and I, we met at the station and we got on one of the cars. I had a patient who was brand new to me and it was a telephone visit. There was this man in the back that was yelling, F China, F the Chinese. And one of the last questions that she asked was, you know, what's your ethnicity and your nationality? These people eat bats and now my life is effed up. I am Asian. I'm Filipino. So I'm like, maybe he'll stay on the train and we'll just get off. And so her response was, wow, I can't believe what your people did. I usually wouldn't choose to to see an Asian doctor, but you seem nice. And of course he gets off. When we get off and my friend and I, um, we like sprinted up and out of there. And I was just absolutely speechless. I asked her if she had any other questions medically and then I ended the call. I'm so like thankful that he didn't try to do anything other than say hurtful things.
3: What I found was not, I guess it's not, it should not be surprising, the stereotypes, the bias, the racism creeps into American life including into our hospitals, including patients who have coronavirus symptoms who are going to the hospital to get help, who refuse to be treated by an Asian American healthcare worker whether they're a nurse or a doctor simply because of the way they look.
0: Really, so even when people aren't in a position where they are seeking medical help that they will just straight up refuse help from someone who happens to be Asian American?
3: So yeah, I spoke to a nurse practitioner in LA.
5: My name is Hanky Lim. Hanky Lim. I'm an emergency nurse practitioner.
3: Who was working in the ER one night and this man comes in coughing, feverish, all the symptoms
5: of coronavirus. Supposedly when patient coming in with such symptoms, we require patient to put a mask on to avoid spreading the the virus. So when I walk into the room and he kinda like look at me surprised, like why am I walking into the room?
3: In fact, he started coughing in the nurse's face.
5: I was stunned at first, and you can see the you know the the bit of the spit uh, on your face shield I, I thought that he that's not by purpose. I thought that he, he was he wasn't doing it by purpose, right, But then he did it again, and he said, "You know, I don't want to be seen by you 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 people he, he caught it like I caught it like you people." I I got sick. He got this sick from a Chinese virus and he got up and he left.
3: Just flat out refused treatment. Who knows if he ever got care?
5: And I'm not even from China. I'm from Indonesia. And my nurse is actually a Filipino. Make us feel disheartening.
3: These healthcare workers that I spoke with you know, it's not like they're walking around in scrubs all day that everyone knows, hey, I'm a doctor, I'm a helper, I'm being patriotic, be nice to me. No, they're walking around when they're off work, living their everyday lives, taking their kids to the dentist. One doctor was telling me she was in Costco and she was in line buying toilet paper and someone mentioned to her, oh, first you guys give us a virus and now you're taking all the supplies. And then she gets to her car that same day after she shops she had a mask on and this guy pulls up next to her and says, you shouldn't wear that mask because you're scaring people. People like you are scaring people. Oh, my gosh.
0: And is there any data on how frequently this is happening or how many people have been dealing with this at hospitals? So not specifically to hospitals.
3: And in fact, the data is not um, comprehensive at this point. The FBI did warn of an increase in uh, rise of anti-Asian American hate crimes. Right now, the best source is probably this database that San Francisco State University is collecting with a couple of civil rights organizations in the Bay Area. And it's basically a self-reported form. So it's translated into a ton of different Asian languages, and people can just write in with their experiences. It's not a comprehensive study by any means, but there's a professor there who's studying that as well as media accounts of these incidents. And they've seen a huge rise since February. Right now, I think there's 1,800 cases that they've collected in the self-reported incidents. They feel like it's a complete undercount of what's
0: actually happening out there. In some ways, I feel like this is a question with an obvious answer, but, but, but maybe not. Why is this happening like, uh, just, you know, obviously it's because of racism, but on a deeper level, I wonder what the motivation is for people who are seeing Asian and Asian American healthcare workers and choosing to use that moment to try to attack them.
3: So I think a lot of it is their own sense of fear and inability to control the situation. And for some people, the natural response is to blame others. Um, Asian Americans have often been seen as foreign. It's not the first time that they've been seen as diseased. There's a long history of this in the United States. It's also not unique to Asians. It's We saw something happen after the September 11th attacks to people who are Muslim as well. People scapegoating current events on different groups that they feel are responsible, they're, that they're unfairly blaming for an incident, in this case, it's the coronavirus.
0: Tracy Jan covers the intersection of race and business for The Post. Now, one more thing about what it's like to fly right now from travel reporter Natalie Compton.
2: Over the course of the pandemic, I've been watching TSA as they've released their number of passengers who travel through the airport. And that really dropped in March. We were told to stay home. People flew less. The State Department issued a level four travel advisory, which is usually reserved for times of war. So traveling definitely took a hit. At the lowest, the TSA reported that there were just 87,000 travelers who passed through security checkpoints in a day. Usually, that number the year before was more than 2 million. But as states are now starting to open back up, people are having maybe quarantine fatigue, things are changing, and people are starting to fly again. We've seen those TSA numbers crawl back up. As of Wednesday, there were 261,170 people who passed through the TSA security checkpoint. So people are definitely starting to fly again. now when you're going to the airport, you might see some different things. So across the board, it seems like people are paying more attention to deep cleaning procedures. You're also maybe going to see new things like airport staff wearing masks. You are probably going to be required to wear a mask depending on where you are. You might also start interacting with airport staff through plexiglass. People are putting up sneeze guards at the ticketing windows at airport restaurants around places where you would normally interact with a person. You might now be interacting through plastic. And there are some changes at the TSA security checkpoint at the airport. TSA is notoriously strict about liquids, and now they have made an exception for hand sanitizer. So if you want to bring up to 12 ounces of hand sanitizer in your carry-on bag, you're allowed to. Many airlines are implementing new procedures for boarding, only taking maybe 10 people at a time, which is the case for Delta, or calling groups in smaller numbers so that you're not all crowding the gate and being too close to each other. In the case of Frontier Airlines, they are now implementing a temperature check of passengers before you go on board. If you have a fever of more than, or equal to 100.4 degrees, Frontier Airlines will not let you on. And that's the same for Air Canada, Air France, other airlines around the world are doing this. Right now, the only US airline is Frontier. But airlines are pressuring TSA or some other part of the airport to start doing those temperature checks instead of leaving it up to the airlines. Once you're actually on the airplane, a lot of airlines are requiring that you wear a mask as you board, and while you are on board, airlines are either scaling back or eliminating completely their food and beverage services on board, so you're definitely going to want to pack a water bottle or a snack or a whole meal with you when you're flying because it might not be available on your flight anymore. Many airlines have cut alcohol service altogether, or some are just offering maybe one can of beer. So. I know nervous flyers out there might not like to hear that, so just be warned, there's not going to be alcohol on a lot of flights. So these are some of the changes that you can expect. But one thing not to expect is that your flight will be empty. That might have been true in the past, but as we see more people starting to fly again, those flights aren't going to be empty all the time. Some airlines are putting fewer people on the planes, but others are not. And you might be traveling on a packed flight. So only travel if it's essential until we know more about this virus.
0: Natalie Compton is a reporter for the post-travel section, by the way. And thanks to friend of the podcast, Elric Zong, for recording his airport experience. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. As states are starting to reopen, we'd love to hear about what you're seeing and noticing where you live. Send us a voice memo at postreports at washpost.com with a short dispatch about how things are reopening in your community. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.